Those of you who read John 10 this morning, well done. Um, but I got caught up in Ephesians 4, I'm afraid. So Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much, Lawrence. Um, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So I want to I want to kick off today, um, and I just want to quickly grow our understanding of the journey of healing and wholeness that we're on as a church at the moment. Um, so I've got three words on my first slide, which Lawrence is going to stick up for me. Thank you, my friend. Um, and I want you to take your second. You can now officially say hello to your neighbour. I want you to take a second, say hello to your neighbour, and I just want you to look at these words. <laughs> And, and have a think, what would these mean when it comes to Christian salvation? And if you're looking at these words and they look very long and you don't have any idea, then just take the opportunity to say hello, okay? But have a think. They're big words, but have a think. When it comes to salvation, what does it mean to be just, justification or justified? Sanctification or sanctified? Glorification or glorified? So take a second or just say hello. I wonder too. Um, but I'd love it if anyone's got an idea. <laughs> They're big words. All right, note to self. We won't do those words again. <laughs> All right, has anyone got an idea? I know some people in here are going to know these. Uh, justification. Han, anyone got an idea? Or I'm just going to pick on people who I know will know answers. <laughs> Alex, any idea what justification means, mate? Perfect. Can you say it louder? Just as if I'd never sinned. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, so justified. So made right uh, with God. Do you want to go to my second slide, Lawrence? Because I've, I've got some verses on there. So justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he, he died on the cross. He takes away that sin. So now we have peace with God. So that's what it means to be justified. Sanctification. I'll do these rather than pick on Alex every time. Um, <laughs> sanctification. But now you have been set free from sin. So we've been justified. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and at its end, eternal life. So, so we've been set free, but there's a process going on where we're being sanctified, which has been kind of made holy according to God's purposes. Who in here is perfect? Just me and Alex. <laughs> sanctification is this process of making us like Christ, Okay. It's the, it's the bit we're working on at the moment. And finally, uh, glorification. Glorification is God's final removal of sin, our flesh, from the life of the saints so that they stand faultless before him in glory for eternity. It says here, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So there's a three-step process to what God's doing in us. And in a sense, you could say, I am saved. I am being saved through sanctification, and I will be saved through glorification, okay? 
Now, I know that that's a lot. I've just chucked out very quickly. But I think it's important to understand because this process of holiness and wholeness, this, these series we've been doing for the last however many weeks are all about this process of sanctification, of becoming more and more like God and, and, and putting off the things of our past, of our former self. Does that make sense? All right. So if I frame it around our subject for today, which is freedom. Everyone say, freedom! Freedom! I was listening out for like, freedom! You may take our lives. Um, <laughs> it must be really fun doing that in Scotland, my love. Um, so if we're thinking about freedom, okay, who has been set free from bondage to sin and has eternal life in Jesus? I'm hoping most of our hands go up here. That's Romans 6, 18. Um, okay, but who here is completely free from the practice and desire to sin? Anyone? Because I'm certainly not. No? Okay. And who here is fully enjoying the physical freedom of resurrection life? Fully. We have a taste of it now, but fully. No? Okay. So in freedom, again, we see this process of we have been made free, we are being made free, and we will be made free fully. So, get into it. We are free from slavery to sin, but we're not free from a desire to sin. Does that resonate with people? And sanctification, this big long word, which is basically holiness and wholeness for our sake, is a choice that's laid before us to choose eternal life as, as sons of God and not reshackle ourselves to the life of sin and death. Paul says this in Galatians 5. He says, for, for freedom, Christ has set you free. You hear that? We've been set free. For freedom, Christ has been set, set you free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. He's like, you've been set free. It's happened. It's done. For freedom's sake. So don't then submit to the old way of thinking, the old way of doing things, and all those old baggage that you had. So there's a choice, he's saying, that we need to make to live in freedom. And that is this journey of healing and wholeness. No how of the three, you know, when we're justified, it's a work of God. We didn't save ourselves, Christ saved us, amen? And when we're glorified, it's a big work of God again, all right? We're not going to be doing that ourselves, he does that. But this process of sanctification is really interesting because this is the place where God asks for a real partnership. I mean, it's all his power, it's all his purpose, but he asks us to come a partner with it. Uh, Paul puts it like this. He says we're called to work out our salvation. We're called to train ourselves, it says in 1 Timothy. Who, um, who in here works out? Not me. <laughs> There's a couple of hands. <laughs> I used to work out a long time ago. But is it fair for people... Alex, you work out. This is my friend Alex. Say hi, Alex. Hi. Alex, I know works out. Alex, you're running a marathon this year. Is that right? Wow. Okay. Alex, is it fair to say that when it comes to working out and training yourself, what you get out of it is what you put into it? Absolutely, yeah? It's hard. What time do you get up in the morning to run? Half five. Wow. Well done. (laughs) See, there's a real call for us to partner with the Holy Spirit when it comes to sanctification. It's a process that we're focusing on through our series. Paul, in our passage, talks about sanctification. Um, If you go to the next slide for me. It might not be the next slide. Yeah, or it is. Perfect. This is from Ephesians 4. 
He says, put off your old self. So this process of sanctification starts when you put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And he says, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And then he says, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And all the things we've been teaching this term are tools to do these things. You know, when it comes to meditating on God's words or, or receiving a Sabbath rest or being delivered or hearing his voice, they're all tools to help us do these things, that we become more like Jesus. Does that sound good? All right. So I want to focus on this Ephesians passage really quickly and look at these points. So firstly, the first point says, put off your old self. Can everyone say, put off your old self? Just like that. Perfect. Put off your old self. Why don't you turn to your neighbor for one minute? What on earth does that mean? Go for it. What does it mean to put off my old self? It does not mean a new wardrobe, if anyone's trying to convince their husband of that. All right. Lawrence, do you want to stick up that next slide for me? The next slide. Oh, you did it. Thank you so much, Lawrence. I really appreciate it. So let's start at the beginning. Romans 6. He says, We know that our old self was crucified with him, which is Christ, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So as we stand here today, we're, we're free from bondage to sin, which means we're no longer powerless to resist sin. Does that sound good to everyone, yeah? You're not powerless to resist it. But however, within our flesh, within, there's this, like, this carnal desire which causes a propensity to sin, to, to get angry, to get jealous, annoyed, to lust, to gossip, to compare. And I love how real Paul is in Romans 7 when it comes to this. He says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but the very thing I hate. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members, my members, this is members, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's really real, isn't it? Wretched man that I am. Who's ever felt a bit wretched? Yeah? You know, when you do something and, and you then after you're like how, like, how on earth did I end up in that place doing that again? Like, what? I'm so far past that, and yet I did it again. Has anyone, yeah? Good, it's not just me. It's those same old mistakes that they somehow keep tricking us up. And it's so incredibly frustrating because we know we're so much better than that. We know we're free from that, and yet we do the thing. Um, and I love Paul, you know, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Now, I do not call myself a wretched man because I don't think Christ does. Well, I know he doesn't. But there's something in that of actually, this is, I want to be totally free from that. And Paul yearns for it, but he knows it doesn't fully happen until eternity. So it may sound hard, but actually this is really good because God uses your weakness to draw you to sanctification. He knows you're going to mess up. He knows you're going to make mistakes. But he uses it to show you, hey, you need me. Draw near. Come close. Let my spirit guide you and heal you. I like to think of this, uh, a snake shedding its skin. Who's ever seen a snake shed its skin? Yeah? It's a bit manky, isn't it? 
I once got so sunburnt, I had a cup of coffee with Adam, your brother. I got so sunburnt, my whole leg peeled, every single bit of it. Um, and that was kind of like that. Um, <laughs> so, so this snake sheds its skin. The old skin is on top of the new skin, right? It's getting a bit manky and gnarly. But it's sitting on top of the new skin. And actually, it takes time. It can be weeks. And, and friction, lots of rubbing for the snake to shed that old thing, for him to actually get it off. Putting off that old self. It's not simple. We've been freed from it. It's dead. It's gone. But we have to put it off. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. See, for Paul, this was a constant process of discipline. No matter how much God was using him and how much he was doing through him around the whole world, there was this consistent practice of discipline in the sinful desires of his flesh, continually putting off the old self, the old man. Paul gives us two keys to this in Romans 6, um, at the bottom there. First, he says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. And secondly, he says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Don't present yourselves to sin. This is really key. Don't even let it get a look in in your life. As Paul says to Timothy, he says, run from anything that would stimulate youthful lusts in you. Run from it. Get away from it. If you get angry easily, avoid angry people. Avoid angry music. Avoid angry movies. You know, run away from it. If you struggle with lust, put a block on your phone. Remove people off your social media. Get get an accountability buddy. If If you covet, then stop comparing. Remove social media again. You know, avoid conversations with people who never seem to have enough. Has anyone met someone like that? If your eyes cause you to sin, pluck them out. That's what Jesus says. Now, I don't have social media on my phone, and it's not because I'm super holy, but it's because I recognize the weakness of my flesh. I recognize the weakness. And actually, for me, it's just not worth going anywhere near something which is going to cause me to stumble and sin. So I just got it off my phone. The second key that Paul says is that we are not under law, but grace. And this, oh, this is so important because we are going to mess up, friends. We do make mistakes. We do get it wrong. You're going to sin and fall short, but sin no longer has dominion to hold you and bind you in condemnation. Instead, the power of grace frees you from that condemnation and releases you to shrug off the old man once more. And honestly, this is one of the the most liberating truths that I've learned in my life is to receive God's grace again after again, especially when I know better, especially when I should have got it right again and again. And it's not that I receive his grace and flippantly go and sin again. But actually, it's that his, his grace, it, it frees me to try again. It frees me not to live in condemnation for a couple of days until I think God's forgotten about it. But I can actually go again. His mercy is fresh every morning. So I'm not working back a debt from when I sinned. It's wiped clean because I live in grace. I want you to take a second. Just close your eyes and just ask God, Is there something of my old self? Is there habits, behaviors of my old life that I've yet to really put off? That I've yet to really kick out the door? And then this week, take that to him and ask him how to do it. 
Okay, my second point. I'll be really quick. <laughs> Next one. So we're going to put off our old self. Then Paul said, who remembers? Be renewed in your mind. Um, the story of Exodus is great for this. So the story of Exodus is like an allegory of Christian salvation. Um, so we have the Israelites in Egypt enslaved to Pharaoh or enslaved to sin, so just like us. But then through the blood of the Lamb, the Passover, and the waters of the Red Sea, which signify baptism, they are delivered from bondage to sin. But then they're in a desert where they have to learn to trust God, where they're sanctified by God. And as they pass through the River Jordan, they enter into the Promised Land, which signifies glorification. Um, but it's the sanctifying time in the desert that's really key for us, because that journey from the Red Sea to the Jordan should have taken 11 days, okay? How long did it take? 40 years. There's that saying, isn't it? It took God a day to get the Hebrews out of Egypt, but 40 years to get Egypt out of the Hebrews. You see, there's this mindset of slavery that they were in, that we were under before Christ, that even once we're set free can still hold us bondage. Let me ask some of these questions. Well, we, we, I should say first, we're so conditioned by the culture around us, friends, that even when we come to Christ, there's old ways of thinking we have to get rid of. Like, what makes you feel successful? Is it where you shop? Are you a waitress person or a Marks and Spencer's person? <laughs> it's silly. But is that what we look to? Is it where you work? Maybe it's the size of your house or your jobs, the jobs your kids have. You know, these are worldly things that people measure themselves by, but they're not kingdom. What makes you feel secure? Is it how much money you have in savings? Is it your pension, your assets, your job? Or is it that God promises to provide all your needs? Where do you get your approval? Is it social media? Maybe it's earned from your boss or your spouse. Maybe it's looking good for other Christians. Or could I just simply receive approval as a free gift from my Heavenly Father because he loves me? This is the one that's hardest for me. Ever since I was young, striving for approval has always been the one I've had to fight. See, our mindset has to shift from the culture that conditioned us if we're ever to, to really know God. Because the culture tells us if you have a house and a car and, and a spouse and a kids, then you're happily ever after. But there is no happily ever after without Jesus. It's impossible. So literally straight after uh, Moses parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked across, the Israelites start grumbling, which is just funny of them. Um, they go and they say, oh, there's no water. We've got no water, Moses. Oh, it's so bad. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and back in Egypt, they obviously they had this big river, the Nile, and they could get water as they pleased. But God shows up and he brings water from a rock. And I really feel like he was just saying to them, yeah, the, the, the Nile is the way the world gets its water. But I want to give you living water. I want to give you living water that never runs dry. And today I'm going to bring it out of a rock. And tomorrow, I'm going to cause it to come from the sky like rain. Okay. Um, you know, the, the next day, actually, I'm going to cause your sustenance uh, to come from your neighbor. And the next day, I'm going to cause it just to appear when you go to work or whatever it is. But he's saying, I want you to stop thinking as the world thinks because you're going to not trust me if I don't provide the way the world provides. Does that make sense? We have to recondition our minds. 
It's all about hearing his voice to do that. Romans says this, do not conform to the patterns of the world, the old way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way I can stop searching for the world's approval is to drown it out of the Father's love. And so when it comes to renewing our mind, we have to read his word, we have to hear his voice. And we have to hear that more than the culture around us. Does that make sense? A quick hint here, if you spend more time reading the news than you do reading the word of God, then you're conditioning yourself more with the culture of the world than you are with the culture of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Finally, putting on the new self. Got me quick. Um, so Paul's last instruction, um, he says, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. And this is important. We need to stop judging ourselves according to the flesh. Yes, we still sin. Everyone knows that. And yes, our minds still need renewing, but we're called to focus on what we're becoming, not what we were. Does that make sense? We're called to focus on what we're becoming and not what we used to be. We need to stop seeing ourselves as bad people trying to do good and see ourselves rightly as good people resisting bad, resisting sin. And it's all by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, it says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Who has the Spirit of God dwelling in you? Okay, a couple of us. Okay. <laughs> if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit which dwells in you. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit that enables us to put up with the sinful dispensation of our flesh. He, he gives us the grace to put up with that. He gives us the grace to put up with that torturous re-education of our mind. You know, when you're like, oh, I really know better, but I'm afraid. You know that? He enables us to put up with that. His indwelling brings that resurrection life to every single part of us, body, soul, spirit. He helps us every step of the way. He does it through his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Note that these fruits aren't something given to us, but a singular fruit. There is only one fruit of the Spirit. And it's his presence in our lives as we walk with him. If we choose to listen and follow it, it produces fruit within us. He says this, I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it doesn't stop there. Because he also gives us gifts in the likeness of Christ so we can partake in the first fruits of his kingdom. As we put on the new self in, in step with Holy Spirit, as we do that with him, we learn more about our new identity as, as people of purpose, as people filled with his power. Whether it's the gift of prophecy, like we saw this morning, or evangelism, or teaching, or pastoring, or miracles, or tongues, or hospitality, or mercy, or strategy, or administration. When we reflect the fruit of Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, when we practice his gifts, and when we walk in the purpose for which God has made us, we put on our new self. We focus on who we are becoming, and not on what we used to be. I really want to encourage you today. If you feel 
um, in any way of loss or disillusion with actually what's this Christian life all about or what am I meant to be doing, then you need to be asking God, God, what have you made me for? What's going to cause me to come alive in my heart like nothing else will? And if you're struggling to hear God on that, then come and book some time with our prophetic team. Let me do this last slide. Here's my summary. Paul has three keys to living in the freedom which Christ has won for us. Firstly, put off your old self. Why don't you say it with me? Say, put off my old self. (laughs) Renew my mind. And put on my new self. It's really important that we experience all these three at the same time. You see, if we, if we put off our old self, if we discipline our flesh, but fail to renew our mind, then we've got a lifetime of hard work ahead of us. It'd be like trying to give up smoking when all you want to do is smoke. Does that make sense? You, you can't do one and not the other. If we, if we renew our mind to God's word, but fail to put on the new self, to actually partner with Holy Spirit and, and, and walk with him into his kingdom, then it's a waste. It's full of religion without relationship. But to, to focus on the gifts of the Spirit and, and kind of the calling that God's got ahead of us, but neglect to discipline our flesh just lines us up for ruin. We've seen that in too many Christians around the world, right? It has to be all three of these at the same time. Not by our strength alone, but in partnership with the Holy Spirit, who gives grace and life to our bodies. Mans, can I invite you up and your band? This church is a place of freedom. This church is a place of freedom. I'm not saying it's the only place of freedom, but this is a place of freedom. This is a place of transformation. And if you're here, you're not here because you want to coast along in your Christian life. Yeah? Am I right? Yeah? You're here because you want change. You're here because you want transformation. You're here because you don't want to look the same tomorrow as you did today. This is a place of radical freedom of children of God. Because it's a place of his presence. And it's a place he's honored and welcomed and he's Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3 it says this. Why don't you stand with me actually while I read this. You're going to need, there's a missing word, you're going to have to help me. Now the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is... Oh, should we try that one again? Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, each and every one of us, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord as we come here week by week and we look to Him and we worship Him, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, into His image, from one degree of glory to another. For all of this, all of this transformation, all of this wholeness and holiness, this sanctification comes from the Lord who is the Spirit and I want to make space this morning I want to really want to invite people forward if you want freedom in any of these places I want to invite you forward if you need to pray for strategy and how to discipline your flesh if you keep getting tripped up by those same odd sins then come forward and ask for God to give you wisdom and he will give wisdom Maybe you need to come and commit to allowing God's thoughts to be bigger than the world's thoughts in your life. Maybe you're a bit saturated with the culture and you need your mind renewed afresh. 
Maybe you feel directionless. Maybe you need some direction from God as to who the new you is. Maybe you want to commit the new you to chasing after him and his kingdom above anything else. All of this, all these things come from the Lord who is the Spirit. And this is his place for freedom, transformation from glory to glory.